Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Creating Knowledge Income Podcast. I'm Paul Erickson, and we have a great topic today, how to overcome fear in business. You're listening to the Creating Knowledge Income Podcast with the best host in the world, Paul Erickson. What's that good, Dad? Welcome, my friend. I am so glad that you're listening. And I think you're going to really appreciate this topic today because it is something that every human being has ever and will ever struggle with, and that is fear. There's all kinds of fear. Fear is an interesting, interesting emotion because it can stop us, it can motivate us, it can deceive us, and it can also help us see things clearly. There's all kinds of sides to the coin of fear. I mean, it's more than a coin. It's a multifaceted uh, emotion. And because of that, it's a huge topic um, and, and impossible to cover in one uh, podcast episode. So because of that, I don't know if I'm going to do more than one episode on this topic, but we'll start with this one and and we will just see how it goes from there. And I, as always, I would love feedback. I'd appreciate hearing from you if there's something more about this you'd like me to develop uh, that we can discuss uh, or another aspect of it. I, I would love the feedback. I'd love to hear from you. I was having a conversation about fear with my kids a couple of weeks ago. And as we were talking, I started to realize, you know, this is a big topic, more than just kids being afraid of the dark or kids afraid of, uh, you know, there's the the fear that kids often have is, uh, what if the bad guy is out there trying to get us, you know, or the boogeyman or what, you know, whatever, those kinds of topics. Now, you know, as adults, we essentially are, are still struggling with the very same fears that we had when we were kids. It's just they're grown up versions of the same thing. Um, and, and so what I did was I asked this question in various social media groups, uh, conversations, and so on, and asked them, Okay, so what I'm curious to know, what are you afraid of that you think is holding you back in business? And the reason why is because I, I know, just from personal experience, but also just having been in business and coaching people for a long time, that oftentimes saying those things out loud or writing them down can help us to overcome those fears and can help us put them in perspective. Um, and, and oftentimes when we do that, we, and, and the perspective we gain is that the thing that we were afraid of really isn't as big as we thought it was. Uh, or it'll start to sound silly when we try to explain it to someone else. And we realize, you know, this was not really something I should have been afraid of in the first place. So that was the question. What are we, what are we afraid of that we think is holding us back. And, and I ask you that question, what are you afraid of that you think is holding you, you back? And at this point, if you want to, 
And I, I think it's a great idea. Whether you do it now or after you're finished listening to this episode, if you're going to listen to the whole thing, is you could pause this, get out your journal. If you don't have one, why not? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I'm not judging. If you don't have a journal, that's fine. But get out a piece of paper or something and make a list of what you are afraid of or what you think is holding you back in your entrepreneurship, in your business, in your leadership, and so on. Or, you know, as well as in your personal life, uh, those things obviously overlap, often overlap. And so take a moment sometime today, do it today, and make a list. And look objectively at that list and ask yourself, why am I really afraid of this? I ask this question in these various social media groups, and I'll give you a second to think about what you think the number one answer is. You take a moment to think about that. What the number one answer that people, um, I won't say unanimously, but most people answered. You think about that, I'm going to get a drink of water. I know what you're thinking, because everybody has either had this fear or will at some point and at some level, and it's the fear of failure. Overwhelmingly, everyone answered, I shouldn't say everyone, but most people answered that they were afraid of failing. And so what I did was I made a list of all of the general categories. I mean, there were people who answered, let's say there were there were two or three that answered essentially the same thing in different ways, but when you started to analyze it and really break it down to what they were saying, they could be categorized into general categories. So I made 11 of them, uh, and, and the top one, of course, being the fear of failure. Almost, I would say that, that uh, easily 80% of the people asked answered that they had a fear of failure. Uh, the next largest category was the fear of being average, or another way of saying it was uh, the fear of not being good enough. And that's actually a thing that's called imposter syndrome. What if people think that I'm a con? You know, that's kind of that, that internally, if we're really being honest, and we could put it in these terms, you know, what if people find out that, that I'm a con, <laughs> that I'm not, I'm not as good as they think I am? And that was also very high. That was about 75% of people answered that. The next one, I think, is quite interesting, that there were people who were, who were afraid of success. What if, what if everything really does work out for me? What if happy land, you know, I, f I find the entrance to happy land and everything works out. Well, then what? And where do I go from there? So there's a fear of success. Um, next was the fear of making bad decisions. Well, what if I trust my instincts and they're wrong? What if I, and there's some tie-in to fear of failure here, but essentially, what if I'm, I'm not a good judge of this situation or of this person, or I make a bad decision? Uh, so essentially, you could say that's a fear of failure, but there's, there's a, a nuance to it. And then a fear of, similarly, fear of making mistakes, but it was more of a perfectionist um, uh, bent to that. What if this isn't perfect? So again, you could say that these are fear of failure, but you know, they're, they're kind of twist on it. There's nuances there. Fear of rejection was a big one. Uh, 
What if people don't like me? Um, you know, uh, we, and again, that's one of those things that can go back to when we to our childhood peer pressure, wanting to fit in. Well, what if I don't fit in? What if these people reject me? Uh, fear of failing health. And actually, the next one, fear of missing my kids, what's going on in my kids' lives or my grandkids' lives. So what if I'm, and again, that ties into the fear of success. What if I'm so successful that I don't have time to spend with my family or my extended family? And that also tied into the next lowest thing, which was losing time or actually helping others too much. What if I become so successful that I don't have time for people? So, yeah, again, you can, you can see how a lot of these things overlap. Um, and essentially, you could, if you really condensed them down, you could say, well, this is either fear of failure, fear of not being good enough, or fear of success. But there were some nuances that I broke out separately because I, I felt that they would be helpful, more helpful to talk about if, if we if we broke them down uh, to this level here. So fear of, of missing kids and grandkids' lives, missing out on what's going on in their lives. I said failing health before that. Fear of losing time or helping others too much uh, that I can't accomplish what I need to accomplish. Uh, fear of, being in, uh, of having public discourse or not knowing what to say. You could say shyness. Um, uh, or what do I do when the spotlight's on me, when I have the attention? And then finally, fear of confrontation. So all of those was a list of, of about 11 things. And, you know, you could break these down in all kinds of different categories and subcategories, but, but really it comes down to fear of failure, fear of not being good enough, fear of success, and fear of rejection. And... And again, there's all kinds of overlap with that. So, I hope that at some point you're, you thought, mm -hmm, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me right there. Because if, if not, you're not a human being. <laughs> We're all, or you're going to have that fear at some point. We all have that fear at some point in our lives. Like I said, a lot of this stuff as adults, it's just, it's just bigger versions of what we did when we were kids, peer pressure, fear of the unknown. Um, what if I make a fool out of myself doing this? Um, and, you know, and, and laugh. I laugh at this with myself because I don't really have a problem getting up in front of people publicly and speaking. And uh, because I'm a ham, as, as my wife says, she says, well, I'm just a ham. And, and so in humor, you know, I, I stick my tongue in my cheek and I say, well, that's because I've embarrassed myself so, so many times in my youth that I have no shame left. And there is a truth to that. You know, basically, if you have fallen on your face in public, what else is there after that? Um, I've literally done that, um, where I've, at the beginning of, of, of a public event where I've gone to get up on stage and fallen flat on my face before I had a chance to say or sing word one. And uh, yeah, that's, that's embarrassing. That's humiliating. And you basically have to dust yourself off. And at some point, you know, do the after action report in your mind and say, you know, that happened. I can't take it back. So what can I learn from it? 
So overcoming fear is something that's, it's a lifelong endeavor. And when you conquer one, there will be another one. But we can take fear and actually learn from it. So now let's, let's kind of go through the cliche here. Perhaps you've heard it said that fear can be summarized as an, as an acronym, F-E-A-R, which stands for False Evidence Appearing Real. So, in other words, many times the thing, like I stated at the beginning of the episode, a lot of times the things that we thought we were afraid of, when we start to look objectively at the at that thing or those things, we start to realize, you know, that wasn't that big of a deal. And 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 it frees us up, it frees our mind up to to use our our mental engine for something more important. Uh, one of my favorite stories that I share with my voice students is from the very first space shuttle launch in the early 80s. And as I've said before on this podcast, I'm a fan of the space program um, and have been all my life, particularly the Apollo space program, but certainly the space shuttle program. So when the very first space shuttle launched, STS-1, it had never been flown in space before. The closest uh, test flight that they had done was without an engine. It was the Space Shuttle Enterprise and famous uh, pictures and video footage from this where uh, two shuttle pilots were on board the Enterprise. It was piggybacking on, the, on a special 747 that had been configured by NASA to hold the space shuttle, and that's what they used to tow the shuttle back and forth after mission landings and so on. And they, but it had no engine, and it had this sort of cone on the back covering where the engines would be to give it some aerodynamic help. Uh, and they took the, the, the shuttle and, and operated it as a glider to its landing to make sure that, that it was a, viably, uh, a viable spacecraft, uh, or not a spacecraft, a viable glider, that they were able to actually land this thing. Because it's one thing to, to make a wooden mock-up in a, in a wind tunnel. It's another thing to land this altogether, this expensive piece of equipment. But it had still never been flown in space before. I mean, even with Mercury... Gemini and Apollo, they were able to launch one of those rockets, one of those, those uh, era of rockets, unmanned and test it and recover it and make sure that it would work and that it was safe. But the shuttle was so unique. It was so expensive. Um, it, it just a completely different animal. How in the world do you test flight? Well, the only way you can test flight it is to actually test flight it with human beings on board. And so that's what they did. So here's Commander John Young and his co-pilot, Roger Crippen, these two men who were the first test pilots of the space shuttle program. And I remember an interview with Commander John Young, where the interviewer asked him, Commander Young, are you nervous? And he, 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 was, he is uh, considered by many to be the astronaut's astronaut. He had, had flown more types and to this day still holds this record, more types of different spacecraft than any other astronaut and had racked up more spaceflight than, than most astronauts. But he was asked, no one's you know, taken this up in space before, are you nervous? And he 
looked at the reporter and said, young man, if you're not nervous, you don't know what's going on. I loved that. I mean, here's a guy, by all accounts, we would call the man's man. Uh, You know, one of these space cowboys who fearlessly goes into the unknown, and he's sitting there admitting he's nervous. Now, that doesn't mean he's not confident, and it doesn't mean that he's scared either. I tell my voice students, it's okay to be nervous. It's not okay to be scared. And the difference is, nervousness is an energy that you can use. Nervousness, and by telling my students the story about uh, Commander John Young, what I'm communicating to them is that someone who's nervous understands what's going on around them. They, they get the, no pun intended, gravity of the situation. Where someone who's scared is overwhelmed by the situation and they've lost the ability to control their thought process in an objective way. The takeaway, then, is how do I change my fear into something useful? Now, if you've been in the situation where you are afraid of something, or if you have a lot of anxiety, and somebody says to you, well, just stop it. Just stop being afraid. Quit worrying about it. That doesn't really help. That's not very constructive criticism. The, the, the problem is, is that our minds always need to be chewing on something. It is well nigh impossible for us to not think about something. We're always thinking about something. We can be asleep. Our minds are active doing something. We're dreaming. We might not remember what, we, what we've dreamt, but our minds are engineered to pretty much be always on. And, and even if you practice some kind of meditation technique, it's impossible to completely think about nothing. So here's how this works. And, I, and to, to teach my voice students this as an example, I'll say to them, okay, I don't want you to think about the Statue of Liberty. Stop thinking about the Statue of Liberty. Don't think about the Statue of Liberty. And of course, they're looking at me like, I'm thinking about the Statue of Liberty and you're not helping me. So the deal is we are, we are, somebody says, well, I'm not a real visual thinker. Well, here's the thing. If you saw in your mind a picture of the Statue of Liberty, you are a visual thinker. And by and large, the majority of people are visual thinkers. Very seldom have I done that exercise and asked people what they saw. And they said, well, I saw the word Statue of Liberty. That is a real abstract thinker, and it's exceedingly rare. Um, So don't think about um, the color pink. (laughs) You know, don't think about a pink walrus. I mean, we could do this all day. And the point is, is that our minds have to be chewing on something. We need to be thinking about something. So if the solution is stop thinking about it. Well, that's only half of the solution. I can't stop thinking about the thing that I'm afraid of. What I can do is replace that with what will be helpful to think of. So, for example, I'm going to give you a little voice trick, but we're going to transition uh, to how this can apply in business. I, I give my students some exercises to do before they get up to sing, particularly in public. And if they practice this, and, and if you're one of my students, don't forget to practice, right? What I do is I tell them, okay, I want you to think about your feet. Before you get up to sing, or, or as you get up to sing, 
think about your feet. Because if your feet are in the proper position and you build your posture, because see, we build our, a good singing posture from our feet up. By doing that, I've given their brain something to do and taken it off of thinking about the audience, thinking about whatever may be nervous. Oh no, am I going to remember the words? Um, you know, because I, I require my students to, to memorize their pieces. And all of those things that we typically, that, that typically go through our minds when we have the notion of, of what we call stage fright. So by telling them, okay, the first thing you have to do is get your posture correct, get ready to sing, get in that, that good singing posture, and then think about your breathing, get your proper breathing going, because usually there's some kind of introduction with the music. And so while, while that music is happening, it gives us a chance to get our posture in check, to get our breathing in check, so we've got good breath support, and relax those neck muscles and get ready to sound beautiful. So the point really here is that I've, it's not just about having good posture and good breath support, of course it's that, but it's a little trick to where they can think about something constructive that is going to help them achieve their goal of singing this song beautifully in public with confidence. That doesn't mean they're not nervous. It's just now they're able to have the mental capacity to focus on using that nervous energy to communicate the song and to communicate it beautifully. So what does that mean for you? Well, whatever business you're in as an entrepreneur, uh, whatever fear you may have, maybe it's fear of failure, maybe it's fear of, of um, doing a sales call, marketing yourself, and so on. Well, it's the same thing. What, what you can do is take that nervousness. First of all, if you're scared, if it really is an overwhelming anxiety, write that down, as I, as I mentioned, and really look at that objectively and ask yourself, now, why am I afraid of this? And maybe that one thing that you're afraid of actually has four or five uh, ancillary things connected to it that you're afraid of. And, and you work through those things and, and ask yourself, okay, why am I afraid of this? Why am I afraid of that? And you'll find, I believe, that as you do that, you, you'll answer your own question with something constructive and helpful that will help you overcome that, that fear. So nervousness is okay. That's, that's normal. That's natural. Give yourself permission to be nervous. And, and even there are times where it can be quite disarming and helpful to admit to people in certain circumstances, you know, for example, networking, where you can say, you know, I'm, I'm not really accustomed to this. I'm a little nervous, but we'll work through this. And, and you're basically coming alongside somebody else who may be just as nervous as you and letting them know, you know, it's okay to be nervous. Well, let's be nervous together and we'll work through this. So getting up and, and speaking in front of people for meetings, you know, that people, that's one of the hot fears uh, listed when you ask, you know, what are the most common fears? Um, fear of falling, of course, is, is one of the, the biggest fears that the general public has. Um, so fear of falling, um, stage fright, whether that's fear of public speaking or singing, 
uh, those kinds of things. And, and you, you know, I'm not really talking about all those kinds of phobias, like fear of clowns and fear of spiders and all that. But, but these things that we face in business, that's why the, the answer to my question was overwhelmingly fear of failure, followed by fear of, of uh, not being good enough and imposter syndrome and so on. So, so, so again, what you, what you do is replace the thing in your mind that you is giving you fear with a new thought. Because you're, you're going to be thinking about something. And if you don't give yourself an intelligent default to think about, you're going to find yourself going right back to that thing that's causing you so much anxiety. And it takes practice. It's um, particularly, depending on how, how large that fear is, it's going to take practice. But it can be done because, I mean, this is not some super secret, but it's, it is something that we often forget. Um, I'm a migraine sufferer. And even though I've got my, my medicine, um, my uh, thing that I put on my head, you know, we call it a, a hot sock or a rice sock, you know, it's a sock filled with, with uh, white rice that you can heat up for a couple of minutes in the microwave. And I can put it on my head and that'll help me with a migraine. So I've got my migraine medicine, I've got that, or, or other tricks I use like standing in a hot shower and letting the hot water run over my head. Or, you know, I, I've struggled with migraines all my life and I have found that there are things that work for me and things that don't. But the thing is when you have a full-on migraine, you don't think about all of those things because you're, you're thinking about the pain. Um, or, you know, you're trying to distract yourself. And, and then my wife will ask me, did you remember to take your medicine? Uh, did you try the hot sock? Did you try this? And because she knows that um, I, I, when I'm in the middle of a migraine, it's easy to forget those things. So we have intelligent defaults. The more times these things happen, the, the better we get at remembering because it's giving us more opportunity to practice. So, so let's go back for a moment to the voice exercise I was talking about. So what we do is we is what is replace the thing that that typically oh, oh I'm going to get out there and sing in front of people ah and taking that and saying okay let's replace that. Think about your feet because that gives us a starting point every time. I start a new lesson with a student every week. We'll do this where we'll practice our posture and I'll say, what's the first thing you think about? And they'll say, my feet. Very good. Because once, you know, once we've gone through this and it only takes, you know, a couple of weeks and they start getting the drill where they're like, okay, now my, I'm going to build my posture up. I'm going to get my breath support going and then we're going to do some breathing exercises and, and we'll start warming up the voice. But it all started with our feet. And it helps us get over that nervousness because now I have something to think about. So replace the thing that you're afraid of with a new thought that is going to help you overcome your anxiety. But there's more to it than that. And it is now how do I change the thing that is giving me anxiety or the fear that I have into an opportunity? Now that's the mark of a real entrepreneur and a real leader is recognizing that oftentimes our, prod, our problems can be turned into projects. And we've mentioned this before in the podcast. But we're taking that same idea, but applying it to overcoming fear in business. 
So I'm going to replace my fearful anxiety thought with now a constructive, helpful thought. And, and we can get more specific here, but also recognizing that this thing, that this fear that I have can actually provide me with an opportunity. And that opportunity could be to do something better, to do something I've never done before, and so on. For example, the space shuttle. What if Commander John Young, God forbid, chickened out? Well, certainly they have backup crews that could have taken over the flight, but, but the thing is, he didn't. And the reason why is because his nervousness, any fear that he had, of course, he, he, he recognized that fear has no place. Fear is debilitating. Okay? Nervousness is okay. But that nervousness can be changed from anxiety into excitement. And I mean, honestly, as, as much as I love the space program and as a kid would dream about being an astronaut, as an adult, uh, the thought of being strapped in that thing now, because I understand greater, you know, what's at stake and what's going on, uh, it, it actually could be a quite terrifying thought. And, you know, start thinking about the odds. Well, what if this, you know, goes south fast, you know? But even still, I can choose at that moment, do I think about the excitement of this moment or am I going to dwell on the fear? And what gives us that excitement is recognizing the opportunity in that excitement, the opportunity in that nervousness. So, and, and you know what? So what if we fail? Because it, it's often said that in Texas, businesses fail, but they fail big. And Texas business people brag about their failures because they're big failures. Whereas the rest of us, you know, that's a little cliched, sure. But whereas the rest of us are afraid to fail. Well, the, the, the moral of that story is that we can say that we've tried. There's all kinds of different quotes. People have said essentially the same thing. And that is that at least I put myself out there and I tried. And that's a whole lot better than if I had never tried at all. I tell my voice students to make mistakes, make big mistakes when we're practicing. And I learned that from my, from my seventh and eighth grade band director. We would make a mistake during practice and he would say, hey, that's what practice is for. So if you're gonna make a mistake, this is where you do it and make it a good one, get it out of your system. And I am so glad that, that he taught me that because I'm still teaching that today because there's a lot of truth to that. Um, make mistakes. And, and I talked about this in a previous podcast, allow room for mistakes. That's what helps us to become more creative. But in the context of fear, it also helps us understand the opportunity and the excitement that awaits us. So the irony, this is now we'll switch gears again here. The irony of the fear of failure is that we allow it if, if we allow it to continue, if, per, if it persists, we really have failed. If you get so bound up with the fear of failure that you never tried, then you really have failed. However, that's not permanent. Zig Ziglar used to say 
that failure is not a person. Failure is an event. And I, I just love that quote because it's so true and it's so freeing. So no matter what anybody has told you or may tell you in the future, you are not a failure. You may have failed. However, that doesn't mean that you can't try again. Try it in a different way. Um, and the outcome could be radically different. Um, the, the old saying is that it takes around 10 times before a business succeeds. So every time you fail, just recognize that that's one more time closer to the 10th time. You know, it's, it's kind of the old door-to-door salesman's credo that every no is that much closer to a yes. Well, that person rejected me, I'll go on to the next door, and that's that much closer to a yes. Well, sure, that's, a, that's one way to look at it, and if that's helpful, that's great. But, but really, when we look at the fear of failure, here's, here's what I think is the, the Commander John Young way of looking at it. And, and I'm not trying to put words in his mouth by any means, but, but kind of getting into that mindset is to recognize, you know, if, I, if it's something that's big enough that I'm afraid of failing at it, then I need to recognize that it's okay to be nervous about it. But if it's big enough that I have a fear of failure, then what I really need to be thinking about is what kind of awesome opportunity this is. What if I fail? Well, what if you fail? Yeah, but what if you succeed? You see, if we never try, then we have failed. And if you continue in the fear of failure, you're still in failure mode right now. The, the act of not deciding or being indecisive is just as damaging as actually, I would say worse than failing. So you can't be indecisive. You can't just expect that the problem's going to go away. You've got to act. You've got to be decisive. Do it wisely, but do it. And if you fail, so what? You're one step closer to finding success if you're willing to do that. So, and, and again, it's, it's just an event. Events are based on the timeline, and you'll have another opportunity again tomorrow uh, or even later today, and you can change the outcome. So you see, fear of failure is, is something, it's, it's just one of those things that we work up into this big monster of emotion in our heads and in our hearts, and we let it take over and cloud our thinking to where we just are incapable of, of making a, a good decision. So we so by writing it down, we get to look at it objectively and plan out, okay, here's how I can take steps to overcome this. What am I so afraid of? Now, again, turning this into an opportunity, flip it around as an entrepreneur, flip it around to your target audience. What is your audience afraid of? You know what? They're afraid of failure too. Or they're afraid of imposter syndrome, that they're not good enough. Or they're afraid of rejection. And all, all the other things that, that I've listed. So how can you help them overcome their fear? You see, that's the opportunity. So another way of looking at it is, what if you fail? Take that as an opportunity to be a human being 
and recognize as a human being, you know what, I failed too. And now I have an opportunity to put my arm around somebody that I can help and say, you know what, it's, so, so if you fail, I, I'm, I'm here for you. I'll be right there and, and we'll work through this. Now, you can do that as a person, of course, but in business, that's good business sense. That's entrepreneurship. That's recognizing that we all have a fear of something, and how can I address this fear? We may not all have the exact same fear, but we all have, at some point, a fear of failure or imposter syndrome or even fear of success or fear of making a bad decision. You know, a lot of times, the fear of bad decision is... Uh, uh, or, or making unwise decisions, however you want to say that, is simply because people themselves don't have enough experience, but you do. And so you can, as, a, as an entrepreneur, you can come alongside this person and say, you know what, I've made a lot of those same kinds of decisions and let me help you make some good decisions. Uh, that's whether you do that as a mentor, a paid mentor, or a coaching program. See, that's an opportunity to start a coaching program. If, if you've got so much experience in something that people are asking you for help in this area, you have a great opportunity to, to perhaps start a coaching program or to uh, do what I'm doing, start a podcast. You know, before I started this podcast, I was afraid because as a tenor, I don't really have the deep baritone voice that we often stereotypically think that people in podcasts or in radio or YouTube and so on should have. And that was a genuine fear that I have. I, as funny as it sounds, especially coming from somebody who teaches voice lessons, is I don't like the sound of my own voice. I don't particularly like the sound of my speaking voice. But I had to get over that, not just by, well, I'm not going to think about that, but instead by taking that nervousness and getting, allowing that to get me excited, really talking to myself, telling myself, now, this is exciting. And if I'm nervous about this, it's because maybe there's an opportunity and maybe there's things that I've learned from and mistakes that I've made that, I, that I've learned from. <laughs> and boy, aren't there a lot of those where I can encourage somebody else and come alongside somebody. And I hope it's encouraging to you. I really do. So that's why at the end of every podcast, and, and I'm working on getting a YouTube channel up as well, where I end it by saying, be smart, be good, be humble right now. Because, yeah, we want to be smart. I mean, after all, this is the Creating Knowledge Income podcast, and it's about how you can take your knowledge and skill and use it to generate passive income. But that's the being smart part. You know, obviously, we don't want to be foolish um, in, in a um, stupid kind of way, for lack of a better way of saying it. But we should strive to be smart. We should strive to be good, to be helpful to people in the world. And, and so that's another goal of this podcast is to be an encouragement, to be helpful, to be good, to be humble. Well, you know what? I have to admit, I've made a lot of mistakes. I don't think I've arrived. I'm, um, you know, I, I bleed just like anybody else who gets cut. And, and, um, and I have to be willing to, as I'm talking about today, be willing to acknowledge my failures and my mistakes in order for us to see the opportunities as well. And, and I have to recognize that I don't think that I'm anything special 
or unique um, in, in the sense of, of being better than anyone else, not by any stretch of the imagination. And, and humility is what gives us accessibility. If, if you really are smart and you really are good, but you don't have humility, that's, a, that's an arrogant person and nobody wants to be around somebody who is conceited like that. So humility really is important. And then I say, right now, do it now. And the reason why is because we, uh, particularly for me, this is this is um, admittedly a fault of mine. Is is that it's got to be just so before I before I can release it out there. And the problem is that perfection is the enemy of completion. If you're waiting for it to be perfect, it'll never get done. So when creating the Macintosh computer, you know, before the Macintosh computer was the Apple Lisa, L-I-S-A. And um, the, the two Steves, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, created the Lisa. They knew it wouldn't be perfect, but it would be a product. It would be something that they could just get out there and get the Apple ball rolling, <laughs> for lack of a better way of saying it. And from that and the lessons that they learned from that, the mistakes as well as the successes, they were able to build on that and create the Apple Macintosh or just Mac that we, you know, as we call it now. So again, fear of failure, you know what? Expect to fail, but expect to succeed. Because when you fail, that gives you a springboard to learn from those failures. Why did this fail? do the after-action report or the post-mortem or whatever you want to call it and learn those lessons and use that as to, to your advantage to provide an opportunity. So we've, we've really talked mostly about the fear of failure because it is by far the largest fear that has been expressed by, by this question. And we all get that at some point uh, and at some level. Um, imposter syndrome. What if I'm not good enough? Uh, one of the things that may come as a surprise to you as an entrepreneur is if you're not getting enough work or if the quality of work that you are doing isn't what you want to be doing, you, you want to do higher quality work, it may be you're not charging enough for your services. And the reason why I say that is because if if you're not charging enough, you're not really willing to put in as much into effort and quality into the work. And chances are you're also not getting a good quality, a good enough quality client. And you'll find that if you if you increase your prices, and of course you're going to increase your quality with that, you'll find better quality clients. And you think, yeah, but what if I'm not good enough? Well, you have to be smart. You have to be good. Yeah, you have to be humble. But the important thing is, is that you recognize that you have the talents that make you uniquely you. I recognize with this podcast, with, with my helping entrepreneurs, by creating courses to help entrepreneurs create courses, online courses, uh, e-learning, and so on. There are, other, there are plenty of other people who are doing the same thing, but none of them are me. And I'm not them. And so I appreciate what they do. I'm thankful for what they do because they bring a, a different emphasis 
than I do. And I bring a a different emphasis than they do. And that's what makes us unique. If we think that we have all the answers, then that's a really dangerous place to be. I don't pretend to be any better than any of them. Uh, There are some that have more experience. There are some that have more knowledge. There are some uh, that have less knowledge and experience. But we're all different. We all bring something unique and different to the table. And so I have to recognize that, that I am where I am because of this is how I am and what I have to offer. And I have to be okay with the, the potential client or audience member saying, you know, this, this dude really isn't for me. That's fine because somewhere out there, there is somebody for them and I wish them well. And, and recognize, yeah, but you know, there are people out there who are going to appreciate what I do. And, and those are the people that I want as my clients. I want, I want them to appreciate what I do, but I also want to appreciate um, what they can do and that we can work together. So don't be afraid of, you know, this is why we have um, a variety of restaurants, a variety of hairstylists, a variety of plumbers, um, <clears throat> car mechanics. I mean, we could go on and on. There's not a one size fits all for everybody. You be the best you that you can be. You be the smartest that you can be. You be the, to, sorry to mess up the English language here, the goodest that you can be, the humblest that you can be, and, and the right nowest that you can be. Because it's all about, about who you are. And, and, uh, and if you fail at being you, well, you know what? That's okay. Because there are plenty of people who, who, who need what you have to offer. So, not being good enough, it's a fear that we have, along with the fear of failure. And, and really, that can be overcome by recognizing, you know what, I, I can't try to be like somebody else. I need to be the best me that I can be. You need to be the best you that you, that you can be. As a voice teacher, one of the dangers is my students singing a song that somebody else well-known has sung and them trying to sound like that person. Now, I'm not talking about being an imitator of their voice, uh, you know, as an, an impressionist. I'm talking about, for example, somebody trying to sound like Elvis Presley who does not have the timbre um, or range of Elvis Presley or Ella Fitzgerald or Mel Torme. And if you're saying who, then you need to sign up for one of my voice classes. But in all seriousness, I tell them, look, God has given you the voice that you have because he found you uniquely suited to sing as you. So don't try to sound like anybody else. Try to sound the best version of you that you can, that you can be. And it's the same with business. Try to be the best version of you that you can be. And recognize, okay, here's the skill set that I have. This is what life has put in my toolbox and what I can offer to other people. So the notion of not being good enough, um, you are good enough. Uh, Even if you're just starting out as an entrepreneur, there are some life experiences, no matter how old you are or how young you are, that you have and knowledge that you have that just makes you different than everybody else. And, and are we glad for that? Aren't you glad for that? I mean, I shudder to think of what the world would be like if everyone was like me. That's a, a terrifying 
terrifying thought. And really, the, the, that's, it is the point of, of why we're unique, why we're different, and why we all have something uh, to offer that's unique. So, if I have more than one entrepreneur in my course that has the same uh, skill set, and first of all, none of them are truly 100% identical. But if I have one, per, you know, maybe uh, three people who are hairdressers and trying to figure out, well, how can I take this and turn it into an online course? Well, there are other things that they have, experiences, backgrounds, knowledge, and so on, that, that adds a unique flavor, a unique color to their hairdressing, uh, their, their, their abilities as a hairdresser that differentiates and separates them from their peers who also are hairdressers. And, I mean, you know, if you walk into a barbershop or a salon, you have, if you do that frequently enough, and, you know, there's, there's maybe one of them that you hope you get because in the past they've given you a great haircut. And there's one that you hope you don't get because they haven't done it the way you wanted it done. But at the same time, somebody else walks in, another customer, and they want the exact opposite. They want the one that you don't want because they did their hair right. And, and you get the idea. Be the best version of you. Embrace the fact that, that your experience, your knowledge, your personality makes you different than somebody else who might be competing. And it no longer then becomes so competitive when you think about it that way, and, and particularly self-competitive or the thought of, well, what if I'm not good enough? What if, you know, I feel like I'm a con man. What if people find out that I'm not really as good as I, I tell them that I am? And that sort of thing. Well, I'm not saying oversell yourself. Don't oversell yourself. But sell the best version of you. And that's not a deception. That's you putting your best foot forward. Um, so fear of failure, fear of not being good enough, fear of success, very much like the fear of failure. Okay, so what if I reach this next level? Then what? Isn't that really the fear of failure just taken up another notch? Okay, if, if I reach this next level and I really am successful, well, what do I do next? And in a sense, what we're saying is, yeah, but then that gives me all kinds of new opportunities to fail at. <laughs> and, and sure, that's true. But the more you do it, the more failures and successes you have, those are the things that actually teach you, as long as you are t informing yourself properly, they teach you, and those are the things that help build your confidence. And really, that's what this is all about, taking the things that we're afraid of, the things that give us anxiety, and recognizing the difference between being scared and nervous. Okay, so I'll be nervous. And, and look at this and say, you know, this is really an exciting opportunity. And I'm okay with being nervous about that because it means I understand what's really at stake, what's going on. And if I fail, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to me? Um, fear of making bad decisions? Well, you know, actually, this is kind of an easy one. Um, start by making smaller good decisions. Um, think about why you choose what you choose on a day-to-day basis, even if it's mundane, you know, should I have the bowl of cereal or should I make some eggs, <laughs> you know, and, and think about why you made those decisions and build from there. Um, and, and again, you know, what if something goes south? Well, really, how bad is it? Um, 
so those little decisions help to build larger decisions and then larger decisions where then you're you're okay making those big decisions and you know what everybody is is uh, afraid of making decisions at some point because there are those huge decisions or at least huge to us and once you go through that experience and I've gone through that experience you can look back and say you know I survived whether it was a good decision or a bad decision we can look back and say you know I, I made it through that even if it was a bad decision so it's really not as bad as we may think, but the important thing is to practice working through those small decisions and asking yourself, now, why did I decide that and how can I do better next time? Um, you know, making mistakes and perfection, being a perfectionist, again, that goes back to the fear of failure. Except with perfectionism, and, and pardon me for saying so, but, but I feel I can say this because I, I tend to be a perfectionist. There is an arrogance that is attached to perfectionism a sense of the wrong kind of pride. I'm not talking about taking pride in your work or being proud of an accomplishment that a child has done, you know, one of your kids or something like that. But I'm talking about an arrogance, a conceit. And 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 that really is a dangerous thing. So again, taking a step back objectively and saying, okay, why am I waiting around for this to be perfect? Can I, can I, maybe I've got my, what, what is my perfect list? And these are the five things, or these are the whatever, X number of things that I think I need in order for my product to launch or my service to launch or whatever. And maybe I write those down. And in fact, you should. If you don't have, if you're launching as an entrepreneur or something or you're wanting to, and you don't have a list of business requirements, customer requirements, technical requirements, those sorts of things, then you really need to take a step back and list out those requirements. So as I look at those requirements, what are the ones that are must-have? I mean, I, I have to have this, or there is no product, or there is no service. And then, what are the ones that I absolutely don't need? And you'll find that actually, your, your product or service will probably be much better if you eliminate the extra fluff that you think you need in order for this thing to be perfect. Chances are, your audience, your clients, really don't want those things. Chances are it's you that wants those things. And so those are the things you should cut away. And you know, every product, every service nowadays in our modern world, we can think of it in terms of software terms, uh, versions, in other words. Well, you know, let's just launch version 1.0. And then you can turn around and have an opportunity to ask your audience, what did you think about this product? You know, we're thinking about uh, adding this service or this feature in the future what do you think about that? And now you've got an opportunity to interact with your audience that you wouldn't have had before if you had launched the perfect product, which really wouldn't have been the perfect product in the first place or service, you see? So perfectionism, that's why I say do it right now because most of the time, the thing that's holding us back isn't really getting it perfect. It's really something else, a fear of failure or a fear of success or not being good enough and so on and so forth. So we can kind of see how these categories can be broken down, but they really have parent categories, fear of failure, fear of success, and so on. Fear of rejection, hey, that's a big one. What if people don't like me? What if, um, you know, I'm not accepted by my peers, and so on and so forth? Chances are, if, if you're hanging around people who are going to reject you, you probably don't want to be hanging around with them anyway. And that's true in business, but, you know, we tell our kids that. I tell my kids that, you know, if, if, if they're not 
willing to get along with you, you probably don't want to have them as a friend anyway. Why is that any different than business? If, if these people are going to reject me and I'm putting my, the best version of me out there, then I probably don't want to do business with them anyway. And, and again, write it down. Think about it. Look at it objectively. Because when you do that, you'll realize, you know what? This really isn't as bad as I think it is. Um, and, and uh, you know, fear of confrontation uh, could all be part of that, um, of fear of rejection or being in, having a public discourse or, or um, shyness, getting attention, you know. Uh, one person that responded was, was, I thought, pretty interesting. They said, you know, a lot of times I get into a social uh, situation where, you know, there's some networking going on, whether it's online or in person. And sometimes I just don't know what to say. And my response to that is, well, practice your responses. Uh, you know, get alone and think about what are the things that usually come up in conversation? Uh, when somebody pays me a compliment, how should I respond so that, so that it's genuine and gracious? And then rehearse that, practice that. That's not disingenuous. It's not insincere. In fact, the idea that you've taken time to practice that and to rehearse that shows that you really do care and that you do want to put the best version of yourself out there for them. So practice those responses Think about, you know, again, on this podcast, I've mentioned it before, you go to Chick-fil-A or you go to other restaurants or services and, and they, you know, they hand you your food or drink and you say, thank you. And they say, my pleasure, because they practice that, they rehearse that, they're taught that. And really, there's no difference in us doing the same thing, as long as it's genuine and natural, something that we would naturally say, so that it's not stiff and awkward. But taking the time to rehearse and practice that is very helpful to helping overcome um, not knowing what to say in those kinds of, of circumstances. So this has been a little bit longer than our typical podcast episode, but I really hope it's been an encouragement to you. If, if there's one thing that, that has been a takeaway for you, I'd really love to know what that is. If, uh, if there's something more about this that you'd like to hear discussed further, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, other topics in the future having to do with how to take your skill or knowledge and turn it into online passive income, then I'm all ears and I'd love to hear it. You can get in contact with me through my website um, and, uh, and Facebook and so on. And I really, it would just be a thrill to hear from you. I really appreciate your time. And as always, be smart, be good, be humble right now. Thank you for listening to the Creating Knowledge Income Podcast with your awesome host, Paul Erickson. Awesome? Really, Dad? Anyway, you can subscribe to his podcast, YouTube channel, Facebook, and Instagram at paulerickson.com. So smash that like button, hit that subscribe, ring that bell, face the Facebook, and Insta the Instagram. All right, Dad, that'll be $5.